going to continue this afternoon, Breaking Free. This is part two. We started this last week. We, you know, some of you may have related to that video that you just saw right now. Maybe in some way, uh, being tied down. Maybe life's tied you down in some way. Maybe that was you in the past. But what I want to talk to you this, this afternoon is that when you became a believer, God did set you free. How many know God set you free of your past? Maybe they were addictions. Maybe it was this or that. And you look up back and you say, yes, I remember when God set me free of those times. But did you know that it's a battle? That it doesn't go away just because he set you free once. It's a continual battle over those issues of life. And that's because we are flesh. We are flesh and bone. God Almighty empowers you, though, however, to overcome those things that you battle in the flesh. Amen? Amen. The battle is real. Look at your neighbor and tell him the battle is real. Just because you had the victory once doesn't mean it's all hunky-dory from now on, that it's taken care of, that you never have to worry about battling depression, bitterness, hate, prejudice, there's a lot of things that people are set free from, but then the devil tries to stir that back up because he knows that was your weakness. And he tries to get you to fall back to the same temptation. Amen? We have an outline. Hopefully you got one this morning or this afternoon. If you don't have one, raise your hand. One will be given to you. If you don't have one, raise your hand. So it looks like everybody got one all uh, 355 people got one. Amen. Wait, can you all say amen? Amen. There we go. That sounded like 355 people. I'm prophesying. Amen. I'm going to read out of the book of Galatians, chapter 5 and verse 13. There's a couple of sermon texts I want to read from. Uh, this first one, though, Galatians 5 and 13 says the following. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Everybody say that last sentence with me. Serve one another humbly in love. Now hold on to that. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 through 32. And listen to what it says here. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Let me stop there. Whoa, does, do you think that's talking to the church? Do you think that's, that is possibly talking to believers? Yes, it is. Unfortunately, the Word of God is speaking to believers in this instance. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Amen. Let's pray for uh, this afternoon's service. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Again, your word is anointed. Your word is powerful. Lord, we receive it this afternoon. And I pray, give us understanding today that wherever this might apply to my life, I can have victory and I can break free of anything that hinders me, that has got me chained to a peg, Lord, that I cannot break free of. So, Father, I pray right now, help me, Lord, to receive this today. Help me to declare it that we might receive it all together. 
And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 How, How many enjoyed breaking free when you first became a believer? Breaking free of something. You think back to the first time you discovered who this Jesus was. I know some of you, like me, weren't raised going to church all the time and discovering what a relationship with Jesus is. Maybe, maybe it was a vice, but even beyond that, God set us free of one thing, our sinful past. You remember when you came and said, Lord, forgive me? Remember that? Because that's starting block A right there is, Lord, forgive me. And when you ask the Lord to forgive you, the Bible says he forgives you of most of your sins, right? No, it says all of your sins. And then not only that, but that he throws your sins into, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you again. How many are thankful like me for that scripture? Amen? Amen. There are some things that we've all done that we would never want other people to know about us. There are some things that I have never shared with my mother and father, and I will never share with them. Just thought I'd tell you that right now. And I'm so glad to see them here today. Amen. Give them a hand clap today. Again, 61 years of marriage. 61 years of marriage. 61 years. And they're still doing great. God has blessed them. Amen. So today, what I want to talk to you about is how do we serve each other humbly and in love and, and keeping in mind that there's this, there's this thing that holds us captive, that this, this chain. And maybe some of you can relate to this, but this chain is called bitterness. Everybody say bitterness. bitterness. It's a powerful pill, bitterness. It's a powerful poison, this bitterness. And uh, in fact, let me just tell you right now, bitterness is anger and disappointment at some circumstance, somebody, something that happened that occurred that's happened in the past, and that, which has now called you to be, caused you to be bitter, amen, towards a person or a situation. Bitterness is toxic. Amen. Say that with me. Bitterness is toxic. Bitterness is like this. It's like drinking poison and then waiting for someone else to die. That's what bitterness is all about. It's like you drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. Well, they're not going to die. You're going to die. Amen. Amen. That's what bitterness is. Now, let me tell you right now how you're asking yourself this question. Well, Pastor, how, how do I know if I have bitterness? Well, the moment I said that you thought of someone. Or thought of a situation right now. I'm telling you right now. That's exactly how God will speak to you. So I don't want you to tell me. But I want you right now to think. Do I have bitterness? Do I have resentment against a person? Against a situation? Because God's word here in Ephesians chapter 4. The very first phrase is. Get rid of all bitterness. Easier said than done. How many agree with me? Very easy to say that. Not so easy to do it. So again, you may be bitter this afternoon because the Raiders haven't made it to the playoffs in over a decade or two decades. You may be bitter here today because you haven't had a good meal since the last time 
you ate at your mama's house. <laughs> you may be bitter here today because you aren't driving that brand new Mercedes and you're driving an old clunker, an old jalopy is what they used to call them. You may be bitter here today because now you've got gray hair and it's no longer that young black dark hair or that blonde hair or whatever it was. Now it's gray and you're bitter. See, life can, can, can cause you to become bitter for a variety of reasons. How many know that? But here's, here's what happens. You could be driving along. You know, I, I have this commute every Monday through Friday. So I get to, you know, see people on the road. I get to see the same people. Usually you recognize, oh, yeah, that's the same guy that's always cutting corners, trying to pass everybody and not going anywhere, just like everybody else. But you could see somebody, say you're bitter against somebody, and they look like that person that you're bitter against. And all of a sudden... In the pit of your stomach, you start feeling those, those feelings of bitterness just coming up. And then pretty soon, you're in your car and you're, you're, you're going, Lord, how come that, you know, that, why did you allow that to happen? And why did this happen? And, and all of a sudden, people are looking at you in your car going, man, that person is nuts over there. He's, he's not even singing. He's, he's like venting or something. And that's what bitterness will cause you to do. It'll cause you to act Weird. It'll cause you to act strange. Amen. Let's, let's read this verse 31 again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You know what the exact opposite of those things are? Because really that's a fruit. There's, the, the Bible describes the fruit of the Spirit, and then there's that fruit, the fruit of man, the fruit of bitterness, the fruit of anger, unforgiveness. The fruit of, of the Spirit is, is the joy, the peace, the love, the gentleness, the self-control, and so forth. All these are fruit of the Spirit that you and I are to exhibit. And they should come natural to a believer, amen? And when I walk around here and I see you, uh, your beautiful smiling faces on Sunday, they are exuding that. But I don't know what those faces look like on Monday morning at 7.30 in the morning. What do those faces look like? As they say, when the rubber hits the road, you know, when, when reality sets in. At Friday, Friday at 3 p.m. in the afternoon when you got a deadline and you know you got to get out of there at 5, 6 o'clock p.m. And, and, and reality hits. Are you still displaying the fruits of the Spirit? What, is, what are you doing at that time? Amen. So again, when we have bitterness, we are toxic at the root. And we are unable to bear the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about here in Galatians. A scripture I didn't read. Galatians 5.23 describes the nine fruit of the Spirit. We are unable to display that when we have bitterness in our life. And that's, that's a tragedy, amen? It's your light, the light that you exude, Christ in you, that should be attractive to somebody. How many people here love hanging around bitter old people? Let's see, I'm looking, I'm looking on this side, I've covered this side, I've covered over here. Zero, zero people want to be around bitter, angry people. How many people want to be around people that are joyful, that have peace, that exude love, and so on? Of course, that's everybody here and Wayne's both hands waving in the back back there. All of us want to be around people like that. 
So when we catch ourselves not living that and exuding bitterness and anger and complaining and, and always saying this and that, time out. Remember this. Nobody wants to hear you. Give it to God. Give it to Him. He'll hear you and He'll deal with it. Amen? To forgive, which is part of letting go of bitterness, is to let go. Everybody say, let go. Let go. Ooh, that's hard. Think about, think about when you first, those that had kids, and you first, when I think of my daughters, and giving them the keys to the car and letting them drive off for the first time. It's like, you got to let them go, right? It's like, oh, God, help them. Be with them. Holy Spirit, send all of your angels to protect them and everybody else on the road. It's letting go in some way, in some shape. When, they, when your kids leave your house, you let them go, whether you want to or not. You let them go. It's not easy, but you have to do it. Forgiveness is the same way. You've got to let it go. And for some of us, it's very difficult. Nudge your neighbor and tell them it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. We often get it confused and think that you're doing a person a favor by forgiving them. I forgive you. And you say it just like that. Well, you're, number one, you're not truly forgiving them, and you're not doing them a favor. In fact, it works the other way around. You're actually blessing yourself and walking in obedience by doing that. You see, the other person isn't bitter. Think about this. The person that you're bitter against or the situation that you're bitter against, they're not bitter towards you 99% of the time. In fact, they don't even think about you. Think about that. Amen. They don't even think about you. And yet every time you think about them, it just, that stomach starts churning, and all of a sudden you start thinking this and that, and you've wasted all this energy on something that is out of your control. Amen? Amen? Yes. That's, that's what you have to remember. Bitterness can affect you in the way you think, in the way you talk, the way you conduct yourself. How many know when you know you're with a bitter person? How many know that you know you're with a bitter person. It, it, all it takes is 10 seconds of them to open their mouth. And yeah, this guy's bitter. This woman's bitter. Yeah, they've had a bad experience at some point. You know it immediately. Just as you know when someone exudes peace. And wow, this person's, this person's got wisdom. This person's got peace. This person's chilled. Or, you, know, you know it right away in the first minute of a conversation. It takes faith to forgive. You have to actually have faith to forgive. Did you know that? It takes faith. Today, I want to tell you today, you are going to break free from bitterness if you have any amount. And that's the question I want you to be asking yourself this afternoon. Do I have any type of bitterness? Do I have any resentment? Am I holding on to something that I should have let go a long time ago? I want to look at real quick on your outline. Three choices. Number one. Rehearse it or replace it. Rehearse it or replace it. I don't know about you, but I, I like sports. Anybody else here like sports? Okay, there's a few of you. And one of the things that people that like sports like to do, I go to YouTube every now and then, and I play Michael Jordan's greatest highlights, because I think he was the best basketball player that ever lived. And I'll go to YouTube, and I'll watch all these spectacular plays. They're highlights of his career. Or I'll go to the greatest baseball player that ever lived, Barry Bonds. And uh, I'll put highlights of him. 
and I'll see him hitting home runs into McCovey Cove, you know, or different things like that. And but you notice in these in these videos, they never put the low lights. It's just the highlights. It's just the wonderful, amazing things they did. It's never the time that they dropped the ball. It's never the time that they got kicked out of a game because of their temper. It's never any of those things. They just focus on the good quality videos. How many know what I'm talking about? You've seen things like that. Amen? So what we tend to do, our minds work the same way. We, we may have had a spectacular day, but the only thing that replays in your mind is that moment when you, when you let it go and you got angry and bitter against that person. And all your mind plays is that, is that highlight. Back and forth it's playing. Back and forth. Rather than how good you were to them, how good you treated them, no, it just focuses on one highlight, the bitterness, the pill that you have to swallow now, the anger that you have to live with. You notice how, how life is like that? We can tend to focus on those things. Ever been in a meeting with your boss and he gives you a chewing out or she gives you a chewing out? You never remember the, the good things you've done. You just focus on that now. That's all that's on your mind now. We focus on the negative things. So what we have to learn to do is we, we either rehearse that over and over or we replace it. We have to learn to replace it. We have to learn to let it go. Amen. Look at your neighbor again. Tell him, let it go. Your mind will continue to replay that thought over and over and over again. It doesn't matter uh, who you are, what walk of life you come from, rich, poor, multi-billionaire, it doesn't matter. You will replay those things in your mind over and over and over again. But here's what I want to tell you this, this afternoon. It's so much easier for you and I to forgive when we remember what our Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Amen? How much easier it becomes. Think about this. You, you can be hurt and bitter, you know, all your life. I'm, you know, 29, going to have a birthday here in January. And uh, did I say 29? A few years past, I'm going to celebrate my 30th, uh, 31st anniversary of being 29 here pretty soon. You do the math. But here, think about this. It takes more to, to, to stay angry than to remember what God did for you on the cross. Amen? And choose, you can choose to be bitter is what I'm saying. You can choose to be bitter and not let it go. Remember this, hurting people hurt other people. Have you heard that expression before? Hurting people hurt other people. Their language is toxic. They, unfortunately, they, they're not in a good place in their life to love on others. So what they spew is, is hurt because they've been hurt. And unfortunately... That describes a lot of people these days. We live in a society that is hurting and they need you and I to love on them as the scripture that I was reading earlier declared. Remember, what did Jesus do for me? He forgave me. Who am I that, that, I, that, I, that I not thank God for that? Lord, you forgave me through my sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against me again. And here I want to hold bitterness or anger against somebody. 
Who am I to even think that I can do that? When my Lord and Savior saved me and forgave me. Amen? I want you to process that. Think about that. Again, I've asked you, think about some situation or person that you may be harboring bitterness to or against. It's much easier to forgive when you remember what the Lord has done for you. Once you learn to forgive, it becomes so much easier in the future. How many here, just just raise your hands if you've actually come up to somebody and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Just raise your hand if you've done that. You know, that, that would be most of us. I know that you've done that. Initially, it's hard. It is very hard to come up to somebody that has done you wrong. You may have been 100% right, and they may have hurt you, but you knew the right thing to do in that situation to fix things was, hey, I forgive you. Amen. I forgive you. And, and it's not easy, but when you did that, the next time around, because let me tell you this, there will be a next time around. Somebody will do you wrong. Somebody will make you angry, unfortunately. Just because you're a believer, a Christian, doesn't mean that the road is now filled with rose petals and you will not suffer, that you will not get your feelings hurt. I'm sorry. All God is telling us is that, yes, you are to forgive, and I will give you the strength to ask someone to forgive you. Amen? So, again, we have to learn to let go. Let it go. Let it go. And then our second point is feelings or faith. Feelings or faith. Forgiveness takes faith. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes you may wake up and not feel like you're even saved, not even feel like you're a child of God. Some days you just wake up and everything goes wrong. Anybody else have a day like that? Everything is just going wrong. You wake up late. The, the, the car has a flat tire. There's a ton of traffic on Highway 29 and you can't get to work. Uh, they're, they're out of maple bars at your favorite bakery. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And, and, and sometimes you're questioning, am I even saved? Because all these thoughts go in your mind and, and you begin to question, Lord, am I even saved? And I'm just joking, okay? But things like that occur. We can go off our feelings to our detriment, See, that's another thing is be very careful with your feelings. Your feelings can mislead you. If you haven't discovered that, you will. Unfortunately, our feelings can misguide us. Our feelings can take us down a road that that God never intended for you to go on. If we just go off of our feelings. Oh, but Pastor Rick, this sweet man, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I think he loves me so much. And no, he doesn't go to church, but he's a wonderful man. Oh, Pastor Rick, this woman here, she's a sweet lady. Um, she knew the Lord at one time. Yeah, I know she, she, doesn't, she doesn't go to church anymore, but I think she's the right woman for me. Because my feelings are telling me that. Don't go by what your feelings are telling you. Our feelings will misguide us and mislead us. And and, and God will say, because God is a perfect gentleman. How many know that? God is a perfect gentleman. He will never force you to do anything against your will. He'll say, okay, go for it. Get back to me and let me know how this works out. Go, Go ahead, child. Go ahead, son. Go ahead, daughter. And, you know. It'd be a few more months after things kind of start going sideways and you start realizing, wait a minute, I'm going places. I'm doing things now that I never did before. I'm being pulled away from the Lord. 
um, this isn't what I envisioned. Uh, Lord, we need to talk. And all because we were led by our feelings. We were led by our feelings. Be careful with your feelings. Amen? Our feelings can be fleeting, but our faith is based on a firm foundation. Our faith is built on a firm foundation. Amen? Let me remind you that um, Joseph was a great example of that. He didn't become bitter. How many remember the great story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph, youngest of his brothers, sold, in, basically thrown into a pit, then it became a prisoner because his brothers were jealous of him. He had a dream. He was known as the dreamer. He had a dream that one day his brothers, his father, his family would be bowing down to him. How many know that if that's your youngest sibling and they tell you that, you're going to develop a quick attitude with that sibling? Like, yeah, right. And that's how his brothers felt. Who is this guy saying that we're going to bow down to him? And so they throw him in a pit. He gets thrown in a pit. Gets thrown in a, sold into slavery, gets thrown into a prison. He's deciphering really these dreams, interpreting these dreams, gets promoted to the head man next to Pharaoh in all of Egypt, given this authority to do as he pleases, to run the, the land of Pharaoh. And now his brothers have come in the middle of a drought, looking for food, looking for help, and they don't recognize him. They're in his presence. Because he's, he's dressed up in the Egyptian garb, not, no longer like a Hebrew. And they come and they recognize royalty, so they immediately bow to him. Just as the dream had suggested to him many years ago. How many know that if God gives you a dream, hold on to it? God gives you a dream, hold on to it. Amen? Amen. But here's what I want to th- ask you. Because the, the text doesn't really say this. But, but if you're familiar with that story, it does say that Joseph couldn't contain himself. He actually had to walk out of the room to begin crying. He started to cry, sob uncontrollably. You know, part of me wants to say this. Yes, he was overjoyed to see them. Yes, he was happy and thrilled that he saw his brothers. But part of him was like, oh, those are the brothers that threw me in that pit. You know that's what he started feeling because the Bible says he, he had to walk out. How many have had to walk out of a room when you're angry? You walk out. That's what you're told to do. Go, go walk it out. Go outside. Take a drive. Come back. If you've been married, you know how that works. Get away. Refresh in your perspective. Come back in. Okay, now I'm thinking clearer. Now I'm thinking clearly. I believe Joseph had to do that at that time. And he was processing this. He was thinking, man, these are the guys that sold me into slavery. I had to be in prison Because of these guys. But they're my family. They're my brothers. It's so good to see them. So he had all these mixed emotions going on. And so that's why he was crying uncontrollably. He was battling that. But he made the right choice to forgive them. See, he could have chosen to remain bitter towards them. How many know that was a very easy choice? To remain bitter towards his brothers. But he took the high road. Not only did he bless them. He promoted them. He brought their whole family. And you know how the story goes. Joseph chose, rather than the feelings, to live by faith. Amen? He chose to live by faith. God is so good when we live by faith. Amen? I want to remind you this afternoon. God has great things for your future. 
But you need to have the right perspective just as Joseph did. Joseph had the right perspective. And you and I need to have that perspective. Joseph ultimately had God's perspective. That is how he was able to forgive and bless his brothers. Without that, there is no way he could have forgave them. There is no way you and I would have been able to forgive somebody like that in that situation. Somebody throws me in prison and I'm in there for years and years and years. I'm going to have a tough time forgiving you unless I have the right perspective. Amen. Can I remind you that God has formed you from your mother's womb and God has a plan for your life? God has great plans for you and your life, but you have to keep the right perspective. Life will challenge you. Life will throw curveballs at you where you weren't expecting them. And you have to have the right perspective. Amen. And then our third point, prayer or a wrong perspective. Prayer or a wrong perspective. Raquel, can I ask you a favor? Can you grab my tech, my phone there? I have something on there I wanted to share. Prayer can change everything. Thank you. Prayer can change everything. Everybody say that with me. Prayer can change everything. Matthew 5, let me read these verses to you, starting in verse 43 through 45. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus is telling us to love our neighbor, obviously, right? But how many know it's so easy to love on those that love us? It's not so easy to love on those that we despise, that we have a difference with. At times it can be difficult, but the Lord's commandment here is saying, no, love your enemies. Love, say that with me, love your enemies. That is one of the things that we are tasked with in our day and age. We are to love our enemies. Prayer points us back to that purpose. You see, that's part of one of when God says he has a plan for you, a purpose for your life. That's part of it is loving your enemies. Do you know that that's attractive to this world? Because they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to love an enemy. I won't even get into the political realm, but they can't even agree to agree to disagree. It's, it's terrible. We as believers have the light of Christ in our life. That is what is appealing to an unbeliever is, how can you choose to love this person that's hurt you or talks bad about you? Well, God helps me to have that right perspective. Amen. God's spirit allows me to do that because in my own self, I would have a very difficult time to do that. Joseph was able to say that when he looked at his brothers and said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then he revealed himself to them. Amen. Jesus, again, is telling us to love our neighbor. And I want to talk to you here about having that right perspective. There's three simple ways. Say these with me. Three simple ways to have the right perspective. Number one, God forgive them. them. Number two, God bless them. them. And then number three, God help me. me. You need each of those to get past bitterness which is what we're talking about here today. Jesus is near to the brokenhearted, he says. 
Jesus is the only one that can take away that pain, that bitterness, that anger, that resentment. He's the only one. It's not a 10-step. It's not a 12-step. It's not a Monday night class. It's not a Tuesday night class. They'll help you to um, address some of those issues, but God can remove that pain 100%. How many know what I'm talking about today? God can break us and set us free. Amen? Some of you can't afford another day, another minute, and hold on to bitterness that you may be having today, that you may have brought in through these doors today. Some of you cannot afford to wait another day. This bitterness may be possibly eating you up inside, keeping you up at night, unable to to possibly form relationships because of bitterness. Only surface relationships is all you can handle. Hi, bye. Good to see you, you know, maybe outside of here. Those types of relationships because you can't let go of that bitterness. Today, I want to challenge you today to leave it at this altar. Leave it here. There's no reason for any of us to have to walk out of this building the same. Amen. God is a God of change and he wants you to change and give that forgiveness, that bitterness up. Excuse me. Jesus at that cross. Picture this, he's on the cross. The Bible says he's naked and on that cross. Unlike pictures that you see that are drawn where he's wearing something. He was naked on the cross, spit on, cursed at, mocked at. And yet, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God is our ultimate example with the right perspective. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. I mean, I don't know about you and I. Thank God. Thank goodness it wasn't you and I on that cross. Because we probably, we wouldn't have been able to endure that, number one. Number two, I don't think we could have uttered those words. Not any of us here. But Jesus could because he was perfect. Amen. Amen. We need to ask ourselves this afternoon, do these people that have hurt us, Do they even know what they've done? In a lot of cases with bitterness, if you're carrying that around, those people on the other end, they don't even know they hurt you. They don't even know they wronged you. They don't think about it and dwell on it like you and I do. Because we're the ones that are hurt. We're the ones that have that bitterness. You may have to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it starts with you. It starts with you, amen? Help us to develop, Lord, the correct perspective. And I'm getting ready to close, but I, I have to read this story to you. Uh, how many have heard of Corey Tenboom? Corey Tenboom? Excellent, beautiful um, story here. Corey Tenboom was a survivor of the Holocaust. And she was imprisoned because she hid Jewish people at that time and hid them in her home. And they found out, they ended up imprisoning her. So listen to this story. Just bear with me for a few moments. She wrote this, this testimony. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him. A balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat. A brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. Moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947. And I had come from Holland to defeat to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land. And I gave them my favorite mental picture. 
Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiveness, where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean gone forever. And the solemn face stared back at me. The solemn faces, excuse me, stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There was never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence and in silence collected their wraps and silence left the room. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past that man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And as I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still, I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. 
and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I trust, thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Think about that. That's an incredible, incredible testimony of God's love, of God's forgiveness, of bitterness. I'd invite you to stand with me this afternoon, if you would. Stand with me. And I would ask you right now, as with your eyes closed, today, if any of you have been battling bitterness in your spirit, there's anything that's been holding you back as the video that we watched earlier, you feel chained. You feel chained. And you can't break free. I'm here to remind you today, God's Holy Spirit, God's power is available to you today to set you free of any bitterness that holds you back. So Father, right now, as we come forward, and I would invite the entire church just to come up, because I don't want to have anybody feeling out of place if that's just one person in this place. I want to invite the whole church. Just come on up. And I want to close this service out by just praying. Praying a prayer of repentance towards our Lord. Praying and just saying, Lord, help me to let it go. Help me to let it go. Father, we love you. We need you, Lord. We need you now. And I cannot go out this door feeling and carrying that bitterness any longer. I have to let it go right here at this altar, at this place. And I pray, Father, that you would start with me, that you would forgive me, Lord, right now. As I stand in this place, and I'm speaking to everybody here today, pray this prayer with me. Pray it with me in your way. But Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you, Lord, that you would remove any bitterness that I have in my heart. Anything that has prevented me from being the, the believer that you want me to be. From fulfilling the plan that you have for my life. I pray right now, forgive me, Lord. I pray, Father, give me the strength to even say those words to forgive me. Now I pray, forgive that person. Forgive that situation. Forgive them, Lord. And I pray, not only set them free, but set me free, Lord. Break that chain of bitterness. Break it, Lord. And Father, toss that into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against me again. I thank you, Lord, right now that you are setting me free this moment. That, Lord, I am going to walk out of here a changed man, a changed woman. That my thinking will be different. That my thinking will be set free. I will no longer have issues when I think of that person or that situation. You have set me free, Lord. 
Thank you, Father, for your amazing gift of forgiveness today. Thank you, Lord. If you could do that on the cross for me, the least, the very least I can do is forgive that person that wronged me. If Corey Tenbu could forgive a Nazi SS guard that had done unimaginable things to her and others in that camp, if she could forgive him, I can forgive that person that has wronged me. So, Father, we pray that right now, Lord. I pray for your forgiveness. Speak to everyone here and set us free, Lord. Set us free. Set us free, Lord. Set us free right now, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father.